we taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Woo! What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Back on the boulevard, Monday, April 3rd. As always, here to prove to you, there is no such thing as football season. But there is such thing as April Fool's Day. And before kickoff in Orlando on Saturday night, I thought I won April Fool's Day. I had successfully fooled both of my castmates here on the boulevard. I got Zook with a fake prank phone call from a sponsor. I got Mikey Manziel saying that Antonio Brown was reuniting with Heinz Ward in San Antonio. I was two for two, guys, and that was early in the morning. Well, the night came along, and who was left to fool Matty Fresh? The D.C. Defenders. So it's not Victory Monday. 37-36, to 36, the final score on the board at Camping World Stadium. And as this man would say, the definition of karma. Producer, director, and owner of the humble abode, we call Studio Z. Chris Zook, I now know how it feels to be left out on Victory Monday. That's good. I'm excited for that. So, And I'm just going to bask in it all, show. It was a tough one. It hurts to lose. I'd rather lose now than in the XFL championship game. Sure, I agree. I still lost to a winless team on April Fool's Day. I'm curious what Siri says today is for you. I think she reminded me to do my taxes. Actually, to make it even worse, she reminded me to do my taxes. Zook, you and I are rivals again this week. It's been a long seven games since you rocked that plunger. and We are going to have some high stakes this week, as we always do when we play each other on the boulevard. Seattle, D.C., going to get to the full preview Thursday, but we are going to have something special in store for the punishment. On tonight's show, winless no longer with the monkey off their back. What is next for Terrell Buckley's Orlando Guardians? who by the grace of God are still alive for that two seed in the XFL South division. Can you believe it? We'll break down everything from Quentin Dormady's six touchdowns to Stansley Maponga forcing that fumble at the end of the game that put it on ice. We have all the best of your recaps, five straight for Chris Zook's Seattle Sea Dragons, San Antonio proving no, you cannot consistently win games without scoring offensive touchdowns. And the St. Louis Battlehawks made us all some money on the boulevard. Easiest underdog we've seen all season. Credit to Zook for pointing it out. I added it late. Mike was on there as well. St. Louis. uh, We'll get into that recap. We also have another edition of the Power Poll. Hot off the press for you. Trying not to overreact this week. Right? That's the key. Some, Some crazy results. Of course, there's a shift in that bottom four. Um, first time all season, we've seen a team from the bottom four knock off the top four. Those tiers have been pretty clear. Not this week. And while the Vegas Vipers saw their playoff hopes come to an end, Mikey Manziel still had a segment. We'll get to that. Another edition of Man to Man. Make sure you drop us a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Zero winners in our PS5 pick'em pool. No entries. This week threw you off, and some of you picked Orlando. Still couldn't get the four for four. Like I said, we have three weeks of the regular season left for you to get an entry. If you go four for four, you can gain an entry to our PS5 pick'em. There's 30 or 35 entries so far. Get your picks in on Thursday. Take a look at our XFL standings update. DC still in first place in the division after losing to winless Orlando. St. Louis and Seattle hold serve yet again. Cannot wait for that one in week nine. Vegas officially eliminated from the playoff race, even though they win. They are two and five. Really tough division. It's crazy to think that if Vegas was in the South, they'd be right in the thick of the playoff race. Houston, who was swept by the XFL North, is now 4-3. and three. They still lead their division with Arlington and San Antonio both taking a loss. In Orlando, things shake out their way and they win out. They might get in the playoffs at 4-6. and six. Some key division games coming up down the stretch. 
that's where they are. Let's show you how they got there. As much as it pains me to say, the Seattle Sea Dragons now hold the XFL's longest win streak with DC losing. Ben DiNucci's homecoming to Dallas. We talked about that Thursday. It was um, getting the, the negative out of the way, right? We, 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 we criticized Seattle's offense for not being able to score in the red zone. Now let's get a little bit to the positives here. He threw another pick in the end zone, okay? But outside of that, he was everything June Jones really needed him to be on Friday Night Football. 318 all-purpose yards. He actually led the team in rushing on nine carries. Um, Deuce Ellison was sidelined yet again. And speaking of that Seattle run game, we should talk about this for a second before we jump too far into this game. Um, Tom Pelissaro is a top NFL insider, which means he doesn't really live in our bubble that we've created here. So when Tom Pelissaro tweets out an XFL signing on April Fool's morning that Philip Lindsay is coming to the XFL, more specifically the Sea Dragons. I had every reason in the world to think that was a joke. I'm sorry, Tom. You're not above April Fool's Day. None of us are. We have thousands of fake signings coming out, and not even Philip Lindsay is not fair game for an April Fool's joke. So Tom Pelissaro finished up his 18 holes on Saturday morning, went to the clubhouse and said, oh, Philip Lindsay to the XFL. I'll tweet this out, but I won't confirm whether it's a joke or not. Well, it's real. Seattle Sea Dragons getting the former pro bowler. And maybe if you're a little bit of a casual, you don't know Philip Lindsay. But we know him here on the boulevard. And it's one of the biggest signings the XFL has and will make. Josh Gordon, Vic Beasley, Philip Lindsay. Short list of guys who were pro bowlers who are now in the XFL. So while we awaited the league to decide how they wanted to announce it for, you know, 24 to 36 hours, whatever it was while we were waiting. Um, Tom Pelissaro fooled me without trying. Tom, you, you dirty dog, you. Got me. Back into the game. We talked on Thursday about this being the number one pass offense against the number one pass defense. Well, this was the most pass yards the Renegades surrendered all year. Um, Silvers, I think, had... About 170 against them. They played McCarron. He had 200 or so. And then Perez had the high with 249 against Arlington week one. Danucci tops that with 266. And in the first half, I kind of felt like I was looking at a mirror image of that Seattle-Orlando game from the previous week. The Dragons refusing to score touchdowns in the red zone yet again. They settle for two field goals. That kept Arlington in the game early. and. They ended up punching it in on the fourth drive. Darius Bradwell had the goal line score. So they got off the schneid a little bit there, gave themselves a lead to make it 13 to, I believe, three at that point. And Arlington answered. Nice nine-play, 72-yard drive. They had a touchdown of their own. Um, But where the brilliance of June Jones shines the brightest seems to be in these situations where you're going to be forced to hurry forced to use tempo and forced to throw it down the field under a minute to play in the half Seattle starts at their own 24 they draw a massive roughing the passer penalty to stay alive on third and one they get down within striking distance about 20 seconds to go and they dial up the Josh Gordon play corner of the end zone touchdown automatic and not even the league's top pass defense was going to cover that one and it really took the wind out of the sails for Arlington you had a chance here to take it in a half down four the Renegades were going to get the ball to start the second half, and this made it like 21-9. to um, It was a six-play, 76-yard drive, and they only used 53 seconds to do it at the end of the half. That's just painful for Arlington. Um, going into the second half, we know this Arlington offense has randomly put together these long drives this season. Well, here was another spot. Um, they actually had 22 first downs, by the way. That was more than Seattle. Surprised me. Um, They use eight minutes of the third quarter in 13 plays to open up the second half. They drive 62 yards, and they come away empty. Ron Zook dials up the blitz off the edge. Plitt can't get it out to Canella in time. So you waste all that time, you get nothing, not even a field goal out of it. Um, Another Seattle win, Zook, and and Jordan Vesey. Man, all these Seattle receivers, it seems like a different one breaks out 
every week. Like, who's going to be the highest horse on the carousel here next week for the Seattle Sea Dragons? We've had Damian Willis. We've had Jordan Vesey. We've had Juwan Green, Josh Gordon, Jacor Pearson, Blake Jackson. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches for Seattle. And VC was huge. Three catches, 79 yards for the big boy, the Cal Bear. Uh, does Arlington need Luis Perez going forward? Should he have started this one? It was their best offensive performance. They did have a couple touchdowns on the goal line from Davion Smith. Uh, put through a pretty big pick to Quinterio Cole late. And they had a field goal from Taylor Russolino. But I don't know. You get 22 first downs. I think they had their most yardage all season, something in the 330s. But will this team benefit from the addition of Luis Perez? You have to think he's going to get the start next week. If he doesn't, why trade for him? That Arlington offense, we said that they were kind of stuck in neutral, spinning their tires. Well, they got the first gear now. Now they just have to find second gear. And the defense did not play very well against Seattle. That was Friday night, Friday night football. Heading into Saturday, what happened to the San Antonio defense? I was really salivating on Thursday for a chance to finally back this unit at this point in the season. And Jalen McClendon totally proved me wrong. Um, There were a few key points in the first series that McClendon has played all season that allowed him to build confidence. And I really hate to single a guy out, but Cam Kelly was on the wrong end of those big Jalen McClendon plays. There was a clear pick that he missed. You'll see it in our highlights coming up. It was an angle that he took wrong. It went for a big first down completion. Then Cam Kelly gets steamrolled by Sean Price using the people stiff arm, just shrugs him off. And that, that's the kind of confidence that Jalen McClendon needed. A score on his opening drive. Um, there was also a key fumble recovery. Delonte Scott rushed McClendon, and uh, Eatman, the right tackle, fell on that one. That would have been a turnover. Jalen McClendon, because of the confidence he was able to build, he ends up 21 of 31, 264 yards and two touchdowns. Most importantly, no picks and a win. What a show to silence me and all the Jalen McClendon doubters who went against him uh, in both betting and maybe some of you who didn't want to start him in Daily Fantasy. He took maybe the hardest hit of the XFL season from Drew Beasley in the third quarter, and he popped right back up. I mean, it was a soul-crushing hit from Beasley. McClendon's tough. And people might forget Jeff Bidette had to leave this game with an injury. So you're out there and your first start without your top target pretty much the whole second half. But other guys stepped up for him. Rod Smith had the huge hurdle. Big guy to hurdle, by the way. Rod Smith's like 6'3", 240. Getting airborne. John Lovett, he made a big play here. Look at this. Bounced it outside. Wow, that was great timing, Zook. Bounced it outside. It would have gone for a loss of two, and that was fourth and goal. So huge from him. Six points. On that one, Matthew Sexton, breakout game. He had four catches, 72 yards. Really a complete team effort from the Vegas Vipers, and I'm I'm shocked because I was very critical of their defense and special teams. I know Bailey Giffen missed another field goal, but as you just saw there, the punter forced a fumble and recovered it. Huge. Um, What else do we know about this game? Um, San Antonio at 30 yards rushing. And Kurt Bankert was nailed several times in this one. That San Antonio offensive line did not protect him. He actually went in the tunnel, and he ended up playing with broken ribs. Kurt Bankert announcing on his Twitter this morning, the results are back. Three broken ribs for Bankert. What a disaster for San Antonio. It's really tough right now. You lost Reed Sinet, broke his foot. Kurt Bankert, big signing, got the momentum back. He comes in. Not even through his first start, he breaks his ribs. Now you're left with Jack Cohn, who has had a bad ankle for weeks, sat the last two, and Juwan Pass, who you tried to start two weeks ago, but was ultimately benched in favor of Bankert. So really only one healthy quarterback. Where does San Antonio turn? Maybe they're the ones who needed Luis Perez. I don't know what to do if you're San Antonio. 
Uh, we know Jimmy Johnson's going to have his work cut out for him. Remember, he was the run game coordinator coming into this season for the Brahmas and was promoted to offensive coordinator by Heinz Ward, I think, because he thought they weren't running the ball effectively or running it enough. And I get Kalen Bellages out, but you can't have 30 yards rushing. Not against a Vegas defense who got gouged for over 130 per game this season. Worst rush defense in the league just held San Antonio to 30 yards. And the defense was awful. They let Jalen McClendon absolutely shred him. Brahma's 2-5 and five against the spread. Vegas is the same. Both teams 2-5 and five overall. And how about the under in this one, Zook? Wow. No points in the last 26 minutes. And they had, by the way, shout out to ESPN. Ian Fitzsimmons on the sideline clutching his ticket, saying he had the under. Can you imagine? What a sweat. And what a time for ESPN to break out their sideline reporter having a ticket in his hand. I mean, you're sweating the whole third quarter and the rest of the fourth. Bailey Giffen missed like his 28th field goal of the year, and it was hilarious to see the uh, play-by-play and the analysts go crazy for Fitz down there. <laughs> um, we need more of that, by the way. I want more sideline reporters that uh, can relate to us at home as we're sweating out our bets. That was really fun to see. It's a shame ESPN ruined it on Sunday by uh, giving us pickleball nationals uh, that delayed the start of the St. Louis game. But some other things that stood out to me from this one. I felt like San Antonio has started every game with a lead. So I went and did some research to see if I was right. Uh, San Antonio has scored first in six of seven games. Those are leads that coaches at every level dream about having. And they're two and five. The offense doesn't work. The defense has held all year. Now they had a stinker. And there's been zero improvement, really, from the shift from Jamie Elizondo to Jimmy Johnson. I get the injuries, but really, was it that great? Maybe if Sinet was able to stay healthy, they're better. But Jack Cohn wasn't it either. Now does he come back in and start? Or do you go with Jawan Pass next week? I know it's year one. And listen, I didn't have the expectations for the Brahmas that a lot of you did. You can go back to week one. I had them seventh in the preseason poll. Thought it was going to take some time for Heinz Ward and co. But this has been even a little worse than I thought they were. I got to give a shout out to the Vegas Vipers. Congratulations for the win. They needed one desperately. Kind of an up and down team. Uh, Did not expect them to come out with Jalen McClendon. But similar to Quentin Dormady, maybe he's the answer that Vegas is looking for down the stretch. Huge opportunity for them on the road to knock off St. Louis, and they got nothing to lose. Remember that. That's key here. St. Louis, everything in the world to lose. If they lose to Vegas next week, they're pretty much going to have to beat Seattle twice to make the playoffs. Vegas, sitting back, nothing to lose. Here we go. We're coming in the dome. We'll have to get Jeff Bidet back and healthy. Remember, drop us a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in live to our show tonight. We're the lead-in, Zook, for the College Basketball National Championship game. Guys on both sides in the XFL, we had a couple San Diego State Aztecs that ESPN was interviewing over the weekend. And, of course, the UConn Huskies just blowing everybody out. So a big game coming up in March Madness. But the XFL, it's time to turn up once basketball's over. I know you have the Masters next weekend, so you'll have some competition. But really meaningful games going down the stretch here in Week 8, 9, and 10. Can't wait to break them down for you Thursday. For now, enjoy another edition of Man to Man with Mikey Manziel. And we'll be right back on Spring Ball Boulevard. Week 7, XFL football. I'm Mikey Manziel, and this is Man to Man. I'm back. Studio Z, they accepted me back. Zook and I, we're the big winners this week. Zook, how did you feel being the first game of the week? Well, Seattle's always the first game of the week, and I like starting it out with a W, so. Hey, I'm finally able to talk about my team winning. Yeah, that's only the second time this year. But I didn't get to talk the last time because of someone. Who who was that again? Well, Mr. Fresh, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Let's get into these plays here. We're going to go right into it. Seattle, uh, first game. This, this is this is Seattle's go-to. They do chunk plays, you know, for just spurts of the game, and they get down the field in a hurry. This is the two-minute drill. 
Ben DiNucci's flying. They're running draw plays. Um, and this is just perfect execution on him. He sees it, man. He just rolls left straight away. He didn't care what was down the field. Got a quick 12 yards, ran out of bounds. And then, again, I mean, you got the best receiver in, in probably the XFL, and he would be a starter and a number one on a lot of teams, Josh Gordon. Uh, I know Ben DiNucci saw the tweet that Matt put out. Some girl on Twitter said she would bang Ben DiNucci. And look at this. That's his. That was his reaction, not just to the touchdown, but to that tweet. Um, we're going to get into the next play. I know he's hyped. Look at this throw, though. Perfect. Right on the dot, and Josh Gordon adjusts. And we've seen this so many times this year. Josh Gordon just makes plays over guys. Um, I've been a victim of it with Vegas. But this is Ben DiNucci to a T this year. Just throws a dot on the sideline, on the run to his right. Um, not a lot of people can do this, and he does this. And, and then he just looks off on the next play and it just it baffles me when you look at this play rolling to the right just flings it in between two defenders perfect ball placement and then here but look where he caught the ball he's in the red zone Zook. and you know what happens when Ben DiNucci throws the ball in the red zone it's pick city dude right in the end zone picked off Arlington I really thought was going to make a run here I started getting scared here this is all what happens to the Seattle Sea Dragons with Ben DiNucci in the red zone. He makes these mistakes. They do not put teams away. Um, that is the only sore spot here. He sees just man-on-man, -man, bad throw. Stop this play for me, Zook. And look who's at quarterback. My man, Kurt Banker. You can put that up on the screen for me, Zook. Look at him here. We got a third and long. Um, they're in straight man. Uh, if you could play this, Zook, here. And it's just, they're just trying to convert. Slants across the middle. They were slow developing. Uh, corner had no idea what he was doing. Kurt made it play. And look at here. Kurt Benkert with the back shoulder. He learned this from the GOAT Aaron Rodgers in camp. Touchdown. They're flapping. They're having a good time. But guess what? My Vipers weren't going away. And they, they were ready to play. I, I was excited for this game. I knew that Vegas really needed, really needed this one at home. Field conditions were good. Weather was good. Um, now you got here, Zook. If you could pause it here for me, they have twins split to the split to the right. They got a, a one receiver up on the top of the screen here with the running back to the right. They're setting a play up here, um, and you will see it. I just kind of wanted to show you what was going on here, um, Zook. If you can play it, um, bad read here. Uh, no blocking. He fumbles. Luckily, we got the ball back here. Um, but when we rerun it here. You will see something in the middle of the field um, that the, the offensive coordinator, the coach, saw. It was just perfect execution um, on this next play. They recovered this fumble, thank God, and right here, perfect. They aligned the splits out a little bit more and opened up the middle of the field. Um, they got what they wanted, and it ended up being a touchdown. And the man who scored here before playing in the XFL was a cop. So, he wanted to arrest Matty Fresh, but I'll rest my case on that one. Sean Price with a nice touch, catch and grab for a touchdown. Uh, he really stiff-armed someone here. I, that was personal, and I loved every second of it. We're going into the next game, and this was a barn burner. I loved this game. I was on the edge of my seat. There was the best quarterback in the XFL versus a defense that has been pretty stout all year. Um, Zook, if we can get into it here, we got shotgun here a quarterback and mcdonald doing the cardinal sin of football and throwing it across the field for a pick this is early in the game first drive they went straight down the field um i just couldn't believe my eyes when i was watching this i knew it was a pick right when he threw it you got to have some serious arm strength and one of the only quarterbacks that i know that does this and did it on a regular basis was brett Favre. dude was insane now st louis Offensively, they look like an oiled machine early on, just picking apart, dink and donk, um, just hitting these really quick routes. They were getting yards. Um, they were really making Houston's defense make a decision on what they were going to do for the rest of the game, and they set the tone. Um, again, they got the best quarterback here, A.J. McCarron. He was just slicing and dicing. He didn't have to do much here. Just let your athletes get out in space. Um, good blocking, three, four, five yards of play. Um, and then you got, you got your receiver back. Um, who had a hurt hammy. Um, he had a really couple big catches here. But again, I mean, just these timing routes. This is just quarterback play. 
a wide receiver playing, just teammates gelling. Brian Hill, of course, um, he had two costly fumbles on the day, but he proved to to really bounce back. And here, I mean, this is perfect. I mean, it's execution, one-on-one, -on -one, back pylon, touchdown. I mean, you, you cannot set up any better than this. Um, AJ McCarron and this this Battlehawks team, they're going to be a they're going to be a, a wrecking crew. I feel like going into the playoffs, if they can keep doing this. They just need to oil it up a little bit more um, offensively um, with the turnovers, but I think they got it. Again, A.J. McCarron, <laughs> big 88 for the Battlehawks, just mossing people. I think we're going to be watching him on NFL Sundays. Just what a possession receiver he is. I, I mean, he went up over, caught it, didn't celebrate too much. I would have. I would have been absolutely just making fun of that, that defender. That's just me, though. But you got to feed him again. Get him on the two-point conversion. Let him catch it. Give him a little finger roll and say, we're going to score and we're going to win. Zook, pause this real quick. Look at how far this damn field goal is. This is the XFL. No one's kicking 59 yarders. They should be in the NFL. He drills this. 59 yards. Houston made some boneheaded calls at the end of the first half. I don't know how St. Louis got the ball back. Four clock management. But this is why St. Louis got ahead and on this play here specifically right after the half um houston's driving a little bit this this was this was a huge play and, and it may have gone unnoticed i feel like st louis was out of of alignment here there was only two defenders on the left side on the line here with three to three offense alignment to block um and he only needed a yard for a first down the safety rolled up it, it was it was a touchdown, I believe, or at least a big chunk play, but negative three pass. Um, when you watch this replay, I, I mean, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. If I was a quarterback, I would have said, this is, this is easy for me. Three on two, you, you got someone 20 yards back, I'm handing this off, I don't care. He throws it, and my money line bet stayed alive. But third and 14, Brian Hill after that costly fumble. He came back, second half. They came back to him, two fumbles in a game. Normally people get benched, Brian Hill. They just keep feeding him. That just shows you the amount of trust that his team and his coaches have in him. Uh, and A.J. McCarron, he kept giving him the ball. He could have just not gave it to him anymore. Um, made some big plays, converting. This is that do or die moment where you gotta score points. Houston had all the momentum and Brian Hill took it out of him here. Two chunk plays for him. He really, really redeemed himself. Just look at this hole, cut, boom, gets to the outside. And that's just a 12-yard gain, good blocking, just executing perfectly. And here it is, the inside fade to the touchdown machine at a North Dakota State and an ex-Packer. My man, my man, number 11, Darius Shepard. Just catching touchdowns every week. I know Matt, Matt alluded to him on his part, but he, he has really come along. And he's been making plays all year for them. <laughs> Last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, I think what Zook and I have been personally waiting for, Zook, how many weeks, weeks have you been waiting for this moment? Seriously. Well, six. <laughs> oh, we don't got to <laughs> wait anymore, do we? No, not at all. Let's roll into this, which will be our longest segment. Um, and, and I'm going to bring Zook in on a lot of these. Um just to explain to them how DC got absolutely manhandled by the worst team in the league. But I won't do all the bad. Jordan Tamu was slinging it in the first half, slinging it in the second half. And my man, Lucky, he had a game. He was, he was all over the field. He was scoring touchdowns. But guess what? The DC defender's defense couldn't stop a Colt. Couldn't stop anything. Lucky, you got a lot, but guess who didn't get lucky at the end of this one? DC. Dormandy, Storm the Beach Normandy, was an absolute dog. I think I think Orlando could be a 500 football team, if not better, if he would have played all year. It's a shame the reports that came out about him. He looks like the real deal here in Orlando, and I think they found their quarterback. He is poised. He is just ready to go. I mean, it, it, just the past two weeks, this team looked like a completely different ball club. A dot down the sideline over top of the corner and the safety, right, right under it. This guy's like, I did everything. No, dude. He threw the ball perfectly. All you had to do was run straight. Perfect route. 
I mean, you give the you give the quarterback five yards to the outside, he drops it in your bread basket. You almost dropped it, but guess what? De'Eric King show the beginning of the second quarter. Look at this throw that he makes on this next play. He's rolling. He he spins out. Good. Thank God he's fast, and he does the unthinkable here. Throws an absolute dot to the back of the end zone for a touchdown. This this receiver tight end, he's absolutely hyped. Dear King, I, I don't know where he's at. I would have been, I would have lost my mind. That was a perfect throw. Um, I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, that man threw a dime. It was a great throw, great athletic play by the quarterback, and what an adjustment in the air for the tight end. Dear King got leveled. He didn't even look to see that they scored a touchdown. Matt, I think he's like, what, five foot nine? Correct me if I'm wrong on uh, when you get back here, but man, Dean Blandino running running the thing. Now it's a touchdown, but. Guess who's back? Storming up. Dormandy. Third and long, and he says, wait. They can't tackle. I'm going to just do this to them. The D.C. defenders couldn't do anything against the Guardians here in the second half. Uh, they just were scoring at will, running the ball, throwing the ball. D.C. made a good play here because there's a little heated exchange. The coach is mad. He knows that they have it. They just need a score to keep it in the game. Run into each other. That looked like Paxton Lynch week one. Not going to say anything, but hey, we got a new quarterback. Coach is furious, but guess what? It don't matter. Pump the brakes right before half. Touchdown. The Tom Brady special. I think I think he did this like three times this game. He's hyped up. He wears the same number as the other GOAT. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Again, another 10 wedge. I know Matt was sitting here. He's sweating this one out. He took money line because he wasn't that confident in his team to cover nine and a half points. It was funny to me. I was texting him. I was having a great night. I was at a bachelor party at a, at a hockey game, watching this on my phone, sitting here thinking, I hope so. And this was the dagger for me. Cody Lattimore, touchdown on a crosser. It was just a perfect play execution. Crossing routes on man-to-man -man coverage. They ran a little pick. He got wide open, and you're not tackling that man. He he is a man amongst boys um, in this one. Who won that one? Uh, Guardians all day. That's crazy to and, me. And the overhit in the worst team in the XFL beat the best team, according to Matty Fresh's power ranker, correct? Yeah, but I'm reevaluating what I think about the XFL after seeing that. So Yeah, you, you're right, but... I thought I knew some things, and apparently I did not. I know which teams didn't lose to the Guardians. The Vegas Vipers. Everybody else they played. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But nonetheless, I am Mikey Manziel, and I will see you next week. Is it just me, or does he, like, throw a parade? Every time Vegas wins. Every time. It's been twice. I've seen your Twitter. All right. After a lot of DC wins. so Our teams can still make the playoffs. I mean, you literally turn the lights different colors in here and do all kinds of things. So His lights can't even turn different colors. <laughs> let the guy have his moment. His face turns a different color when he starts rambling. And, and now we got to go to this. I don't know, Zook. This is disgusting. Forget for a second the irony of this, that it was on April Fool's Day. My favorite holiday until yesterday, Saturday. I, do we have, can we skip to St. Louis-Houston? First double-digit spread of the year. And... We just talked to Mike Ryan last week about a man named TJ Storman. If you're not familiar with TJ, he was the day one starting right tackle for my DC defenders. Traded a few weeks ago to Orlando. And my reaction was, what a kick in the pants. This guy was making $1,000 extra per week to play in the XFL because DC won four games in a row. You get traded to Orlando, and 
I figured now you got to struggle to make that thousand ever again. Every single week, TJ Stormont was getting paid. He gets traded to Orlando. He still gets paid. Quentin Dormady and co outplayed us. There it is. Robert Ford, Shane Matthews. They outcoached Greg Williams. Matt McCrane missed a 29 yard layup to start the fourth quarter. Abram Smith fumbled away any chance of McCrane redemption at the end. No, not talking the 63. That wasn't makeable. I'm talking about the drive before. First loss of the year, both outright and against the spread. Uh, Try not to overreact, but I kind of lose what I thought was my big brain best bet of the year here. Uh, (laughs) It's laughable. I said I was trying something new. I was going to go Seattle, D.C. Moneyline Parlay, and the odds makers were giving that to me at about minus 120, right? So near the juice you would take for a straight bet. I'll never forget April 1st. 2023, and uh, just like I never forgot March 1st, 2020. Yeah, we're getting in the weeds here, folks. The defenders lost to the winless Tampa Bay Vipers that day. Dan Williams, in that game, three years ago, seven catches, 72 yards. Four catches for 47 yards to rip my heart out of my chest again. On Saturday night, shout out Terrence Plummer as well. He was another... UCF guy who played for the Tampa Bay Vipers. But the story is Quentin Dormady. Put this in perspective for a second. Playing DC has been every quarterback's worst nightmare all season. Case in point. Ben DiNucci, lemon allergy, completely self-destructs week one. As poor a game as he'll ever play. Week three, AJ McCarron, broken. All that gratitude about playing for his kids left. He was not happy in the press conference after the game. Brandon Silvers, benched. There's your top three quarterbacks in the league statistically. This is what DC does. It's what I figured at least, right? No. Not Quentin Dormady. 27 to 34. 328 pass yards. Three touchdowns, no picks. Three more touchdowns rushing. Dormady's performance against Vegas a few weeks back was enough for us to nominate him for a Freshie Award. That award for the midseason was the guy who gets no respect. And a lot of you were like, whoa, pump the brakes. Dormady has came back for one game and started. Well, if it was at this point in the season, he would have clearly got that award. Most underrated guy in the league at this point. Last three weeks, 827 yards and five touchdowns. Not a single interception. So this is what I say... With how bad this team looked, if you played Orlando close, I'm going to get this out of the way before Zook brings it up. I said if you played Orlando close, you'll be punished in the power pull. Well, give me this. If you can't realize that the Orlando Guardians are now a completely different team night and day from Paxton Lynch to Quentin Dormady, you've clearly not watched the last three weeks of Orlando Guardians football. So I don't know if I can say that anymore. Now, you got to grind your teeth to beat the Orlando Guardians. So I don't know how much I can punish you for playing them close. And I know that's going to come off so biased. Matty Fresh, all year, has been talking about how terrible Orlando is and how you should drop if you play them close. DC loses to him by a point. Now he's going to change his opinion. Say what you will. It's a different team. Don't care. It's a different football team. They have a top four skill position player group. They were just waiting for someone to come in that could competently get them the ball. Dan Williams, KD Cannon, and Jordan Thomas, all new additions. You add those guys to Charleston Rambo, Cody Latimer, Eli Rogers, plus a stable of really good tailbacks and Jamaine Martin and Devin Darrington. Great offense. They scored 37 on D.C. I think that's all I got, Zook. The offense played well. Look at this. The defense giving up 400 yards, 27 first downs, and Orlando was 71% on third down. Come on. 
Where's the third down defense? I think Quentin Dormady just figured it out. Just watch film. It's all it comes down to. And, and Orlando still alive in the playoff race. Congratulations to the Orlando Guardians from a diehard DC Defenders fan. You got us. And I'm sorry. Next one, Zook. That's enough. Is this the XFL North or the Big Ten East? What's going on? That's the only other division in football I could think of where you have a third-place team with a better record than the division leader in the opposing spot. I think there needs to be an addendum made to the XFL playoff rules. This is year one, right? We can do whatever we want. We have to stick to the rule book. Should be the best four teams. And then, sure, you want to put Houston in, they're going to win their division, go for it. But this is disgusting that the third place team, for as good as Seattle and St. Louis has been, one of them is going to miss the playoffs. Uh, see, I say that, and then DC technically not out of the woods yet. <laughs> but, oh, Zuck, I just write myself off here. But here, here's my take we had a really hard time figuring out why odds makers favored Houston in this game. We looked at the spread from every single angle. We thought, okay, maybe you could make a case for the Roughnecks bouncing back off those two losses to Seattle and D.C. Maybe some of these new additions at receiver, Michael Bandy, Ja'Cory Roberson, would step in and replace the production of John Trey Kirkland. But the fact was, there was just way more angles on St. Louis' side of the card. Think about it. Nine-point win. That's a 12-point cover margin. I don't know who would confidently lay points with Houston in this spot. They're off a short week. They got pounded on D.C. Monday night. They were banged up on defense, starting quarterback out. Battle Hawks get a full practice in on Wednesday. At that point, the Roughnecks were still in recovery mode. And 90 minutes before kick, we find out Tim Ward's out again. That's the best defensive player, like I said, for Houston. So, Ja'Cory Roberson also inactive. I thought he could be the next John Trey Kirkland. Nope, hasn't played the last two weeks since he was signed. So, A.J. McCarron just teed off on that Houston secondary all afternoon. 26-34, 222 yards, three touchdowns, no picks for McCarron. He continues his MVP campaign. Took a couple big shots in this one, too. For the first time all season, he missed snaps. Nick Tiano from Chattanooga got in the game. Did some research. Nick Tiano. The 22nd quarterback to start, well, actually not start, but play in XFL 2023. The number of starting quarterbacks has been lower, but a lot of these guys have got in as games go on. Marcel Aitman back, and even though he only caught two balls for 18 yards, it definitely opened up a lot of other options for AJ. Gary Jennings starting to emerge. He makes a beautiful touchdown snag early on. Hakeem the Dream. Shout out, uh, Leah Musgrave from Battlehawks Twitter. That's a great nickname. A-plus nickname. Good job, Leah. Um, he was doing his thing. And, and AJ's favorite guy, Darius Shepard. Look at this guy. Seven for 70 and a score. And on the other side of things, Cole McDonald, just not there yet, guys. Uh, 15 to 32, 106 yards, touchdown, and a pick. And as Mikey just pointed out, man-to-man, kind of missed the crucial read. And, he hands it to Max Borgie there. He gets an open space with how good Borgie is. You probably get a touchdown, but they get a screen for minus six. Um, great stuff again from Greg McElroy. Love watching these games, even if it was delayed 20 minutes by uh, Pickle Pickleball National Championship. Someone told me it was John McEnroe and Andre Agassi. I don't, I don't care. I'm sorry. It was Pickleball. What are we doing? Come on, ESPN. I was trying to pull up ESPN+. Plus. It wasn't even working on there. At least it wasn't Mom's. Look. Would you rather watch a sitcom or pickleball? <laughs> anyway, um, great decision from St. Louis towards the end of the game. There was nine minutes to go in the third. Uh, third and 14. Actually, it was, it was the fourth quarter. Third and 14. AJ just took a sack. Brian Hill, the last drive, fumbled it. In the Houston's arms, house call. They keep Brian Hill out there, right? Gotta put your playmakers in situations to make plays. Anthony Becht, maybe outside of Reggie Barlow, 
I think has been the head coach this year with the coolest head who hasn't overreacted to officials and he's trusted in his guys. Uh, there's been some fiery coaches out there who don't take any of this stuff. They're going to replace you if you're not playing well, and they're going to let the official hear it. Anthony Beck, pretty cool, calm, and collected during the games. He's passionate when he needs to be. Very positive guy, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And he trusted Brian Hill. And Hill responded by delivering in the biggest turning point of this game. Like I said, catches a check down. You saw it on the highlights. And he goes for about 18 yards. Great block from Hakeem Butler. Brian Hill made a couple guys miss. And what was going to be a little conservative check down turns into keeping the drive alive. And, and look what that drive turned into. 11 plays, 73 yards. It iced the game. And even with A.J. Smith and how good the Houston Roughnecks have looked in these late game situations. Remember, weeks ago, they scored like twice in 30 seconds to, down, or not, to get down there against Seattle and have a chance to win it at the end. Uh, not this time, because you don't really have the same passing threat with Cole McDonald yet. 47% completion, and that's against a pass defense who's, I think, 6th or 7th in the league, so he had an opportunity. Uh, only 106 yards and a pick. He also threw a touchdown. Um, so Wade Phillips and the Houston Roughnecks go on their XFL North tour the last three weeks and come out winless. Sure, it's not what they expect in an H-Town. Um, so back to beating up on the South for Houston now, and. They can probably go 7-3. and three. They're going to get a home playoff game. They hold serve. And it's crazy because on the other side, St. Louis might go 7-3 and three and miss the playoffs altogether. Got to win out if you're the St. Louis Battlehawks. Shout out to anybody who had money line there, and I guess uh, the under was a tough one. 44 and a half. It's tough when you don't have Brandon Silvers to pilot a high-powered passing offense. Cole McDonald. With growing pains, still got to learn a little bit. We got a new power pull, Zook, now that we've broken down each of the four games. Our XFL power pull, where do we go with this one? I don't think I can really overreact and move the DC defenders off of number one here. So what do you guys think? Is anybody out there moving DC off of one? Am I alone here? Am I the only one that's going to keep him on top of the league? I don't think I should be. We can't overreact. It's tough to do this poll. It really is. But if you ask me today about the top three, I think Seattle and St. Louis will both go two and one to end the season. They'll both be seven and three, both with two losses to DC and a win over Vegas. Stay with me here. The second level of that tiebreaker is not going to matter at that point. The third level is strength of victory. They both swept the South. The fourth level is point differential. Points scored versus points against. So you better believe June Jones is going for three down the stretch here, <laughs> no matter what Jim Hazlitt says. Point differential could matter. Head-to-head -head is everything. I get that. But when head-to-head -head for me in this poll starts to matter a little less is under the following circumstance. A major quarterback change. It matters for everything. And think about it. There is old Lando and new Lando. You can't judge them based off what they did with Paxton Lynch and DeAndre Francois taking sacks. Quentin Dormady knows his offensive line is struggling. So he gets the ball out, or he takes off. He doesn't take these sacks. Another major change was Vegas. They trade Perez away, and McClendon looked phenomenal. Different football team with a different quarterback. San Antonio could have been that. But Kurt Banker broke his ribs, and that's just a brutal situation. The difference between spending an entire training camp like Jalen McClendon did and Quentin Dormady did and learning these offenses Versus Kurt Bankert, who, bless his soul, don't know how he did it. Coming in off no practice, no camp, just getting thrown in there, trying to learn a new offense that hasn't been productive with no offensive line to protect him. Sucks for Kurt Bankert. But we said uh, Arlington was spinning their tires offensively a little bit. They're now at seven because 
they found their groove a little bit offensively. Like I said, 22 first downs against Seattle. We'll see what Luis Perez can do next week. Again, going back to the exact same thing I said with McClendon and Dormady. Could be a different team with Luis Perez. A lot of you are telling me he's going to change everything. I don't know if I'd go that far, but you have to think the league probably thought about this move and said, if we're going to have Arlington in the playoffs, which it's looking that way at press time, and they hold serve here down the stretch, you're going to have to have good quarterback play because people are going to be watching these semifinal games. They want to see quality football. Um, so that's the power pull. I don't know, guys. It's, it's, it's getting tougher to do every single week. Let's take a look at early week seven lines here. St. Louis, six and a half point favorite. They get Vegas in the dome. Orlando's favored against Arlington. So the poll makes sense from that standpoint. I know I had Orlando six and Arlington seven. Orlando minus one. Interesting to see where that one will close. It was a one-point game last time around. Odds makers were burying Orlando, right? I think the Guardians are 4-3 and three against the spread. That's maybe third or fourth best in the league. It's definitely top four. Houston is four-and-a-half-point favorites against San Antonio. I usually don't give plays out on Monday, but I'm going to beat Zook to this one. Houston is a best bet for Thursday's show. It opened at four. I got it at four. And I'm probably going to play it for even more down the stretch here. Listen, San Antonio does not have a quarterback currently. Kurt Bankert out. Jack Cohn limited. Reed Sinet out. Jawan passes it. If he goes out, you're going to have Mikey Manziel taking snaps for the Brahmas. So why is this four and a half? Four and a half? I don't care if it's in the Alamo Dome. What are we, what are we doing here? Houston was a three and a half point favorite against St. Louis. What? We go back to that, right? Top four teams holding serve against the bottom four. It happened with Orlando. It's not going to happen again. And the big one, Zook, we talked about this last night. Your Seattle Sea Dragons, a one-point favorite against D.C. Curious to think, is Chris Zook satisfied with being a favorite? Or would he rather be an underdog after what happened in week one? I don't think it matters. I'm not you don't think they it. look at that sort of thing? I'm not worried about it. Okay. I'm Seattle, kinda... I mean, I, I told you last night I expected them to be favored because of the five-game winning streak and because of the way the game went in week one. Right. Right. People who bet Seattle in week one were right. They were right. They got burned by what? Bounce of ball. The stuff you can't account for that we've lost on this year. The blocked punts. The nonsense, the bad calls, the fumbles at the goal line. This is football. Stuff happens. If you played Seattle week one, you had the right handicap. And the Dragons made a mess of your bet down the stretch. Here we go again. They're favored. At home in Lumen Field Sunday night football. Not by as much as they were week one. Where will this line close? If you want to bet Seattle, get it now. This line's closing at two and a half. Seattle's taking all the money. I'm going to put my... Bet on that. I'd, I'd rather bet on where this line closes than actually bet on the game. People aren't going to bet on D.C. here, except me, because <laughs> I always do. Uh, well, that's our week seven lines. Let's look at our best bet results. That was week eight lines. My bad. I'm getting lost here. XFL season is moving along. Week eight? What? That's unbelievable. So, well, listen, we talked about this one already. I, I, I got cute. I got cute. And, and what? <laughs> Like, mister, I don't play parlays, right? Come on. It was such a smart bet. What are we doing, DC? Pick this week to do it. Uh, San Antonio plus three. I already explained that one. Miserable. Um, to the advice of Chris Zook, I added St. Louis super late, like right before kick. And I look at my phone. It's at three and a half. What is going on? I'm like... All right, I might get two. I lost value. I somehow get a better number than you. What's your take on what happened? Like when you, your expectations going into your best bet this week versus what happened, how do they align? Um, I was shocked that they won by so much. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I liked the money line. I had no problem taking the points. And a, wait, Mike, <laughs> Mikey. Mike, Mike, 
Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, not I don't know what you Mike did sold points. He did not. He did not. No, he did. Did he? Look, he's got minus three. Oh, I don't even know how. Mike that. sold points. What did he get that at? Like plus 500? I have no clue. Mikey Manziel afraid of the minus sign, but it paid off. St. Louis with a, they were three point dogs, so a 12 point cover margin, Zook. See, that's not right. He took money line. I, th- I think that's just a mistake graphically. I'll take ownership. He probably doubled down on minus but, three, though. You can move the line on some. I do want to make this. I want to make minus this clear. Three. Mikey dogged me for taking the points, and I had to reiterate to him that it's a best bet. I was in business to make money, so I took the points. There's nothing Preach. wrong with that, right? Preach. And listen, we know, like I just said. Did you see that stat up there? What does that say? Five and two? He's scared of the minus sign. I'm taking it. Yeah. So, I, again, I don't include my Twitter plays on the record, and I'm not going to even mention it, but I did agree with these guys, and I jumped on a Twitter play late. If you were able to get that, you should have listened to Zook right off the bat, so you didn't have to do that. Uh, I was 8-6. and six. That's not where I want to be. Uh, if you look through the six losses and comb through them, too, I have just been stupid on these. Like, let's get back to the bread and butter here. Come on. What, listen, do we, what do we know? Listen to what I'm saying for a change. Here we go. Stay away from San Antonio. Don't you patronize me. I'm just going to tell you. Stay away from San Antonio. It's my show, this damn is, it. This is for the listeners, not for you. So stay oh, away no. from San Antonio. I'm take a drink break. Stay away from Seattle. I mean, nobody predicts DC is going to lose that game. Is there value at all, Zook, the rest of the season in betting a bottom four team, Vegas, Orlando, Arlington, San Antonio, against the, the top half? Should we just stay away altogether and the only teams that we back this season should be D.C., Seattle, St. Louis, and Houston? Is there even a reason to dig into the weeds and, and, and bet the bottom four? I guess it depends. That's, that's a unit thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, if you want to jump on one of the bottom four teams yeah. for something cheap to have a little bit of skin in the game while you're They've watching. They've had weird games against okay, each that's, other. That's fine. Yeah. But when, yeah, when the bottom four are playing each it's other. It's weird. It doesn't ever work how you run. think it will. And, and I you su- said stay away from San Antonio, Vegas. I, and I said that, what, three weeks ago maybe? Yeah. I, I, I'm never betting on San Antonio or against them again. I'm, they're, yeah. they're just too much of a wild card. It lost us the parlay. It did. It's it did. plus 570. We had San Antonio plus three. Again, he there scored a kick return touchdown. Congratulations, Fred Brown. First kickoff return touchdown in XFL 2023 history. Coming but, up in Thursday's show, by the way. Yeah. Uh, once San Antonio lost, we made Piper wear the plunger. So there'll be a picture oh, of that. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get it in this like one. That. What's that? Poor Piper. Oh, she loved it. Well, you got to win us a parlay, Pipe. Come on. You got to be just as responsible as we are here. Yeah, just remind them, Zook, that I still have DC at one. <laughs> That's a great way to close the show <laughs> so that I get buried in the replies. That's so your fault for changing the order of the segment. So, <laughs> uh, What would I do without Chris Zook? I'm just saying. I could cha- manage without Mikey Manziel. I could not manage order. without you. So, like I said, reading off your, your week eight lines, St. Louis minus six and a half, Orlando minus one, Houston minus four and a half, Seattle minus one. We're going to get to all those on Thursday. Enjoy the national championship, Aztecs, Huskies, college basketball, one shining moment. We need to figure out the XFL's one shining moment because we've had a season of incredible moments so far here on the boulevard. We got to figure out how we get to the end of the season alive, first of all. Second of all, our Boulevard Bowl Tour coming up on Thursday. We are back on the road. Can't wait to tell you guys where we'll be. For Mikey Manziel, Chris Zook in the control room, I am Matty Fresh. Remember, there is no such thing as football season. Take it easy, guys. We'll see you Thursday.